0: know a lot about the president of the United States. And many of us could list certain characteristics, things about the president that we like or some of us that don't like. But there's a difference between knowing about him and knowing him. Now, many people learn a lot about God. A lot of people learn about the Lord. They may read their Bibles or study theology or church history And they learn all these things about God, but there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing Him. The new covenant is about the ability to know the Lord in a personal way. This new covenant was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Not only did Jesus fulfill over 300 messianic prophecies of the Old Testament, and not only did He live in the correct historical time period in which those prophecies needed to be fulfilled, and not only did he perform supernatural signs and he claimed that God was his father, he claimed that he was the Messiah in John four twenty six, Not only did he do those things, but he instituted a new covenant. And here are his words in Luke 22, verse 19. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. New covenant. Jesus fulfilled all of the prophecies and institutes this new covenant.
1: Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of a word from the Lord. Today, Dr. Beach continues his teaching series on How Does God Say He Loves Us? Today's message is entitled, The New Covenant. Here now is our speaker and teacher for a word from the Lord, Dr. Foley Beach.
0: Father, as we open your word and we bring forth your truth this morning, I ask that you would open our hearts to hear from you and then apply in our lives what we hear. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. A few years ago, David came into my office and wanted to talk. After a few minutes, he admitted his life was a mess. Not sure where to go or, or what to do, he came to talk to me. Uh, David was married to a wonderful woman, and they had two young boys uh, under the age of 10. Uh, they lived in a nice house. Uh, both drove SUVs and, and were popular people. You, you would have liked them. He shared with me that he was having an affair, and that this wasn't the first one. Uh, He said that all he and his wife did were fight, and that these other women not only gave him physical pleasure, but emotional support. David knew it was wrong, but he seemed to always, as he said, gravitate toward the wrong. He went on to share that he was close to bankruptcy. And he had allowed debt to take over his life, and his wife had no idea. He then began to weep and weep and weep. In the midst of his tears, he said that for all his life, he he knew what was right and what was wrong, but something always drew him toward the wrong. He knew he had left God behind, but he felt there was no hope for him. He was desperate. How could God forgive him for what he had done? Was there really any hope for him? Because he would walked away from God. This morning is the fifth in a series of sermons that we've been sharing on the covenants of God, that God loves us and that one of the ways or the main ways he's expressed his love for us is through the covenants that he's made with humanity. A few weeks ago, we talked about the Sinai Covenant, which was the covenant that God made with Moses on Mount Sinai, where Moses received the Ten Commandments, and the book of the covenant, which is Exodus chapter 20 to 23, and the book of Deuteronomy. And the people had made a blood covenant with God. Basically, they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do. So that meant they would receive blessings or cursings, depending on what they did. But they always seemed to gravitate toward evil, doing what was wrong in the Lord's sight. And so Israel eventually was divided into two kingdoms, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And it was like God finally said, I've had enough. And the country was conquered by Babylon. And the people had so violated the covenant That he had no choice but to remove them from the land. Where you see, God keeps his covenant. So back to Babylon they went the land of the Chaldeans or Chaldeans, depending on how you say that. The land where Abraham had been called from that we saw a few weeks ago. It was like God was saying, Back to square one again. So here they are now in captivity. The Babylonians have captured them. They've taken them back to Babylon, and they're they're slaves. And in the midst of this, Jeremiah, the prophet, receives a word from God. And the word is this, that for 70 years, the land would be purified. And then the people would be allowed to go back, to return and rebuild. And they would resettle the land. And then after that, Jeremiah receives this word from the Lord, which we just heard read. And I'd like to read again from Jeremiah 31. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. That's the northern kingdom. And with the house of Judah, that's the southern kingdom. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel at that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man, his brother, say, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. I will forgive their wickedness. And will remember their sins no more. This is what the Lord said. So the people of Israel are in bondage. They hear this message about a new covenant. Which applies to us as well. So I want to walk through a couple of things. First, to remind us of the violation of the covenant. He says, a time is coming when I will make... The word make there literally means to cut. He's basically saying, I'm going to make a blood covenant with the people. Then he says it's going to be a new covenant. That's the only time this is found in the Old Testament. It means it's going to be different. It's not going to be like the other ones. Then in verse 32, it's not like the covenant which they broke. He says, They broke my covenant even though I was a husband to them. The message says it this way. They broke that covenant even though I did my part as their master. You see, instead of allowing God to be their boss, their master, their God, they began to worship other gods, just like we begin to worship other gods, whether it's the dollar bill or the house we live in or the clothes we wear or or whatever it might be. Those things we put in place of God. What is this new covenant? What is this new covenant? We see it in verse 33. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time. First, it's not about the law. It's about the relationship. It's not about the law. It's about the relationship. You see, they were used to living to the law, to doing everything right to to making sure they didn't do anything wrong and they couldn't measure up. And God is saying, it's about the relationship that I'm interested in. He says in verse 33, the law is within them. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. You see, it's not going to be something that's out there. The law is going to be in their mind. It's going to be in their heart. And who puts it there? God does. He says, I will put my law. God does by the Holy Spirit. God puts it within us. Remember, Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He wasn't coming to get rid of it. God was just going to change how he imparts it. Another thing we see here is that God says he will be their God and the people will be his people. Verse 33. You see, it's not about the law. It's about the relationship. God desires an intimate, personal relationship with his people. Second thing here, the covenant will be made up of those who know the Lord themselves. Verse 34, no longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord because they will all know me from the greatest of them to the least, to the least, to the greatest. You see, at that point, they had a priest And the priest would act as an intermediary. And basically what the Lord is saying here, there's not going to be an intermediary. The priest would offer sacrifices for the people. The priest represented the people before God or represented God before the people. The people had someone between themselves and God, an intermediary. This was represented by the big veil that was in the temple, you know, that big curtain that was there. And the people couldn't go on the other side of the curtain into the Holy of Holies. Only the priests could. God is saying there's not going to be a need for an intermediary with what I'm going to do. Secondly, he says, those in the new covenant will know the Lord. All the believers will know the Lord. He goes on further basically all believers will be the priest that's what peter is talking about when he's writing to the christians in his time he writes in first peter 2 9 but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation all believers are going to be part of the priesthood not some special folks you see we're all equal before the lord We might have different roles or different gifts or different ministries, but before God, we're all equal. Now, I know some people try to put me on a pedestal and think, well, I've got this special connection to God. Not any more than you do. God has just put me in a different role. In the role of the worship service, I'm the celebrant. I lead us in worship. And I stand up and I may pronounce absolution but I'm not forgiving your sin. I'm just a spokesman saying that God has forgiven your sin. Or at the end of the service, when we do the blessing, I'm not blessing you. It's God who's blessed you and I'm just pronouncing it. You see, I'm just like you before him. We're all equal. All of us are equal before the Lord, from the least of us to the greatest. The word here for know, where it says they will know It's an intimate word. It's actually the intimate word between a husband and a wife describing a close, personal, intimate relationship. And that's what God says each of us will have with him, that close, personal, intimate relationship. Now, many people learn a lot about God. A lot of people learn about the Lord. They may read their Bibles or study theology or church history. And they learn all these things about God. But there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing him. We all know a lot about the president of the United States. And many of us could list certain characteristics, things about the president that we like or some of us that don't like. But there's a difference between knowing about him and knowing him. Are you with me on this? Do you understand what I'm saying? The new covenant is about the ability to know the Lord in a personal way. This new covenant was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Not only did Jesus fulfill over 300 messianic prophecies of the Old Testament, and not only did he live in the correct historical time period in which those prophecies needed to be fulfilled, And not only did he perform supernatural signs, and he claimed that God was his father, he claimed that he was the Messiah in John 4, 26. Not only did he do those things, but he instituted a new covenant. And here are his words in Luke 22, verse 19. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. The new covenant. Jesus fulfilled all of the prophecies and institutes this new covenant. That's what we remember during Holy Week from Palm Sunday to Maundy Thursday, to Good Friday and Holy Saturday, and then Easter. Jesus instituting and fulfilling the new covenant. And what's the result of the new covenant? Verse 34. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. The result of the new covenant is forgiveness of our sins and the forgetfulness of God. That God forgives us and forgets. I love what Corrie Ten Boone used to say. She said, God throws our sins in the sea of forgetfulness and then puts a sign up that says, no fishing. <laughs> That's what he does. We might not forget and we remind ourselves and we beat ourselves up and how awful we are or whatever, but God's, he's already forgiven us when we've asked him and he forgets it. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, Apostle John writes, My dear children, I write this to you that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. The result of this new covenant is the forgiveness of our sin." And because of that, then we are able to have a relationship with a holy God. Because God is holy and he can't be around sin. And so he has provided a way that we might have that relationship with him. Why a new covenant? God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. It's an expression of his love for us. It's an expression of his desire of intimacy, of relationship with you and me. Yes, in the Old Testament, they offered sacrifices. But even in Hebrews, it tells us that those did not really cover the sins of the people. And then what ended up happening there, they began to live for the law rather than for their relationship with Almighty God. And life revolved around fulfilling or not fulfilling the law or reaping the consequences from it, rather than revolving around serving and knowing Almighty God. So in Jesus Christ, we are able to have this incredible relationship. My discussion with David that day went on for several hours. And I shared with him what God had done for us and that the forgiveness and healing that God offers in in Jesus Christ, and that it's available to him. I shared with him that that if he would just repent, that is, turn to the Lord, stop living for himself and and live for the Lord, and and begin to allow the Lord to be the Lord of his life, and rather than self being Lord of his life. And so David that day prayed with me to receive the Lord into his life as his Savior and his Lord. Praise the Lord! That was great, but he left my office still teary-eyed his life didn't immediately change his wife left him eventually to divorce him because he she couldn't get over the affairs he continued to struggle with his cocaine habit that he had and eventually he got relief through narcotics anonymous but david became a disciple of jesus christ and he began to grow in his faith And today, he is a totally transformed person. He's a strong man of God, full of the Holy Spirit, and he's discipling other people. He bought in to this new covenant, what God has done in Jesus. And he discovered it was real, offering true hope and transformation and healing for his life. If you met him today, you'd have no idea how messed up his life was totally transformed and that's what the new covenant does when we come to jesus and allow him into our life and to forgive us of our sins now some of you here today you'd say if, if you really looked in the mirror and you were honest your life is messed up and you don't know what to do well i'd like to submit to you that if you will turn to jesus christ Allow him to become the Lord of your life, to become the master, the boss, the one who calls the shots, that you will begin to see his transforming power in your life too, that your sins will be forgiven, and that you won't have the guilt and that awful feeling you know when you just know you just messed up and there's nothing you can do about it. But it takes you being willing to come to God. Let's pray together. Father, you are so good to us beyond all that we can ask or imagine. And I pray for each person here that all of us will live a repentant life that will come to you, that will change the way we're living for self and live for you. I pray that you will help us, Lord, to follow you and so live transformed lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And This is our prayer in the mighty name of Jesus, for his glory, Amen. Hi, this is Foley Beach, and I want to thank you for listening to a word from the Lord. I'm so grateful that we have this privilege of bringing the Word of God to you. If you're listening today and the Lord is speaking to your heart, the Lord is, is drawing you to Him. I want to invite you to open yourself to Him, to open your heart to invite him to come and and live in your life. It's really a simple prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are the Lord. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I've messed up, and I ask your forgiveness. And Lord Jesus, I want you to come and live in my life. So I invite you. I open myself to you. Come and indwell me in your presence. It's not a difficult prayer, but it has to be a sincere prayer. It has to be something that you intend to do and follow up on. And perhaps I'm speaking to somebody as well today who is a believer, and you're not where God wants you to be. Are you straight off the path? Are you living in disobedience or in sin right now, and you know it's wrong? Or he's asked you to do something, and, and you refuse to do it. Why not today say, yes, Lord? Why not today do what he wants you to do or stop doing what He doesn't want you to do, and get your life right to Him. Life's too short. It goes by so quick. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day the Lord wants to speak to you, to bless you, to guide you, to strengthen you. And this is my prayer for you this day, and the whole reason we at A Word from the Lord broadcast this radio program is that God might speak into your life that you might be the person He's called
1: you to be. was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. awordfromthelord.org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can find A Word from the Lord on Facebook, and be sure to click the Like button to follow our feed on Facebook. You'll want to be sure to visit Foley's blog at bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. On the blog, you can read the many articles posted by Dr. Beach. Many of these blog entries are excerpts and full articles published in local publications. You can also follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at foleybeach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at at foleybeachatawordfromthelord.org. Again, his email is foleybeachatawordfromthelord.org. You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. Our mailing address again is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A Word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. We thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking A Word from the Lord.